Welcome back to another episode of Printavo Printhouse's podcast. I'm your host, Bruce from Printavo. Our co-host is out and about. He is shipping, trying to make orders for the holidays. But we've got a very special guest, Blue Grimes from Out of the Blue Screen Printing out of Denver, Colorado, my second my second favorite state. But, thanks for having uh, me, Bruce. Yeah, thanks so much for being able to join me. Um, we were just emailing back and forth, and you were just talking about so many cool things that I said, hey, we have got to get you on the show. But before we hop into all those details, how have you just been? Good, good. We've been well. Um, we're doing a lot of um, doing a lot of adjusting and and uh, blowing up and and rebuilding and um, pivoting and uh, it's 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 been interesting. But uh, but we're still here to talk about it, so that's great. I mean, with all of those changes, how do you feel as a business owner? Just, just like as a owner, as a person, just the having to ride everything, deal with everything. Obviously, it's really frustrating, but um, on the tail end, I'm. I, I'm really excited about it. It's all driven by uh, by passion, which, which which all of us share, right? That's the underlying tone is the excitement um, and the energy that comes with um, come comes with restructuring and rebuilding and um, and and reworking workflows and process and um, and testing it out and then uh, sometimes failing, but sometimes being uber successful. So um, it's fun. It's just excitement. I, I feel excited about it. That's awesome. Do you think that shifted at, at some point? Because it seems like, at least I personally, I feel like the first, uh, you know, the April, March, May, June was was very strange and shaky and unknown. And then for sure shifted towards, oh, wow, we can actually use this as a huge opportunity going forward into the rest of the year. I mean, w- what were those shifts like for you guys? I agree with that 100%. I, we... Uh... At first, you know, we scrambled just like everybody else. Um, I, I remember, uh, uh, I think it was the second week in March, and we had our, we had our Monday morning. Um, we called it our our uh, strategic alliance meeting, um, and or that was our Monday morning management meeting, and uh, and we were talking about how well January and February went. Uh, we were we were forecasted to to exceed our our revenue goal for for this year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Wednesday we had our strategic alliance meeting, and uh, I think that was at 10, a, 10 a.m. And by from eight to ten, fifty uh, percent of our business had had backed out, and the, and that was that was booked business. And then um, the fo- by the following Thursday, eighty um, percent had backed out. Um, so we we were just scrambling. <laughs> we were kind of uh, deer in the headlights, I think. And, and really didn't know what to do. Our um, our culture had been has has been, but but was before then um, very customer service driven. Um, unfortunately, we were we were kind of kind of order takers, um, mm. and that had to change. And it had fast. We had to uh, we had to go. Uh, we 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 had to get on offense and and start working down the field and scoring some touchdowns and. It was super intimidating and 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 very stressful. We continue to lose sleep over it, but not as bad as it was in April. I I came down with shingles. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not a super old guy. I just started noticing it, and and I I had a, a video call with the doctor, and he said, "You you have shingles." 
um, are you having a lot of stress in your life right now? Uh, and I said, yeah, I mean, you have no idea. We started jumping on a lot of, um, uh, just absorbing a lot of content that, that, that you guys were putting out, um, that other, um, some, some consulting companies were putting out um, that were industry specific. Um, we started to look at um, non-industry specific things that were, that were happening. We were just trying to absorb as much information as possible um, so that we really didn't have to reinvent the wheel uh, so everyone was going through this. So sure. Um, Wait, you, Blue, you mentioned a couple things. I, I just want to quickly go back to the first thing was this Monday morning meetings. I see some shops do it. Some shops don't. You said it was a management meeting. W what is that? W what's the goal of those? So we we've kind of restructured since then. But um, that was uh, I would drive that meeting. Um, we did not have a director of operations at that point. Mm. Um, so I would drive it. Um, it honestly, Bruce, it was. I would call it now looking back at hindsight, right? Um, I would call it a micromanagement meeting. Um, we would, we'd go through Printavo, um, inside sales reps would report on statuses. Um, even though their, their notes were fairly, were fairly well documented. Um, mm -hmm. we'd stack rake, uh, quotes and leads by revenue potential. And then we just, we'd cook through that list, um, and get a follow up and, Mm -hmm. see what's and up then, well, um, how do we get them to close exactly and then and then uh i i would i would be there for uh from a support piece it was i think disguised uh a way to disguise micromanagement um that's one of my biggest uh faults you know this is our 16th year in business and um once i once once i brought in our director of operations um then i had another set of eyes and ears and not only was he able to justify um, a lot of things that I was or confirm and, 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 and give input on a lot of things that I was seeing. Um, but I thought, well, maybe I'm just crazy. Maybe this isn't. Well, when did you bring him on? That was this year. That was in August. Okay. That was in August. In and August. that, that was, uh, that's an interesting role. Cause I know um, Steven actually did something recently, the exact same thing. Was that, pushed because you were just so overflown with I mean you talk about delegating as a hard thing to do I think it's hard for every single person because it's always changing too right it's like your new yeah. role has stuff that you need to delegate off to that's different that you're not used to and so on but mm -hmm. what what pushed you to bring on that person you kind of hinted at it um just the need to have that an objective viewpoint, I guess. Um, somebody, um, he, he had no uh, industry background. He's, um, he was a police officer. Mm -hmm. um, and he came in and was able to just start, you know, pulling the curtains back and, and, and looking at workflow and process and then providing the accountability piece um, or questioning that. So, you know, we took a look at the org chart and then uh, everybody's job description when we coach our staff, we coach based on their job description, um, and we find where they're they're meeting exceeding exceeding those goals um, or you know performing up to expectations or where they're falling short, and then we coach on coach on that. And he was able to really dig in and say, well, you know, you've got these people at these positions, um, you know, specifically in some management positions, and and they're they're not managing staff. <laughs> they're they should be, they have staff to manage, but they're not in a traditional sense. They're not managing the biggest reason, you know, you guys are big McCallowitz fans. I'm sure Mike McCallowitz, but mm -hmm. 
she talks about you know um what, what's called designers and 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 delegators and and um and uh deciders and doers and uh i i thought i was um you know a designer and and a delegator but really i was just a i, I was a decider 100 percent. so and what that is for for folks that don't know according to, to mike michalowicz people constantly reporting so someone's someone's knocking on your door every five minutes saying okay, I did this, what's next? Or did I do this right? Did I do this right? Um, and that's kind of what that management meeting was, honestly, is, hey, did you remember to do this? Did you? I didn't see this in the notes. Did you do this? Did you do this? Um, whereas Dave, Dave is our director of operations, uh, came in and said, well, shouldn't those, that's their job description. Shouldn't they just do that job? Sure. Uh, why do you have to continually check in and follow up and say, is this getting done? Is this getting done? hire the right people and make sure that that stuff just gets done. We've always had a great staff here. Um, culture, culture up until, you know, around the middle of 2019 was, was amazing. Um, really strong culture. Um, we tried to try to hire and fire based on culture as well. And coach Wait, blue real quick. Cause I, I want to jump into that too, but it sounds mm -hmm. like this director of ops role, they're all, they're like director of operations of the whole business too, not just production. That's right. Got it. So, so really process start to finish. How many people was at out of the blue when you brought on this role? And, and also would you have brought that person on at an earlier date now knowing what you know? Yeah, absolutely. So we had, um, we had six people, we had five full-time people and then we brought Dave on board in November of 2019. We had 16 people. And uh, I really dove into the numbers uh, in, in, in the middle of in November of 2019 and, uh, and we just weren't profitable. Um, and so I looked and, and uh, really checked into our, our gross margin, our target 60% and we were just falling way short. Our overhead was just way too high and it, it was it boiled down to labor. So we, we had to streamline, become a lot more efficient um, and and kind of look at the workflow um, and unload some of that onto onto existing staff that that other people were were taking on. So we started to make those cuts and we cut back about 50%. We cut back to, to eight or nine people by uh, by the very first week in January mm. of this year. Wow. How, how was that? That feels like a tough situation. It was. It was really tough. We had several people that had been on board for, I think, the least amount of time was a year and a half and the most I think was four years. We had to let them go. We did a severance. We offered them a severance package. Um, we paid out all their vacation, obviously, that if they had accrued any vacation. And then uh, we, we encouraged them to file for unemployment. Um, and we also backed them up, uh, provided them references if they needed references moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, and then we started to kind of begin and and really the trajectory, the profit, net profit trajectory just, just kind of started to skyrocket um, immediately following that. Um, and what, then- What were you, are you able to share, what were you targeting as far as a percentage? Um, our target, what the, at that point in time was really vague. We, we, we had a 60% gross, gross margin target, but my numbers were so backwards having over the, all that overhead that I wasn't able to, to really drill down on a net profit target 
until um, I got my ducks in a row, looked at the the final P and L for 2019, and we were we were in the negative on the net profit side about five percent. I set a tentative a tentative goal of twenty percent, um, but since then um, we've restructured all of our pricing. I break out our our hourly or our our annual nut um, based on total overhead to to an hourly figure. And then we, we measure and track every, I should say, I, I measure and track everything. That's kind of my role in the company now. Um, and so I'm able to, to feed that, that information into a spreadsheet and build pricing around that. Interesting. So you take all of your, your so yeah, walk me through that because that's an, always such a tough piece for every yeah. shop. So you're taking all of your costs for the business, mm-hmm. everything with this new team, the smaller team, yep. and putting that as in one bucket and then where do you go from there exactly right so the way i did it honestly is i took our p and l from 19 and then uh i really dove into it and i built i built a lot of reports based on that about where we should have been pricing wise um and then i kind of threw that out the window and and took the current p and l and i i had to forecast because we didn't really know yet what our we couldn't drill down 100% on our overhead because we had restructured so much. Um, so we just had to forecast. So I took that that data and just, I, I think I took, I only took like a couple months. And then I just extrapolated that over over a year, right? Um, and then got that down to what we would need in, um, in gross margin. And once you have the gross margin number, then you can you can back that out to to an hourly figure, but you also have to know how productive your staff is, right? So when I initially built that, um, I gave them I was very lenient and and I padded that a lot. So I based that on on two project teams uh, being being a hundred percent productive for six hours a day. So that as gave- in as in saying, I know how much this team can print, say per hour. Yep. How do, how do you balance that out though with average job or did you just take a rough average job size and that cuz right cuz there could be a big job that that's totally different numbers that you would throw into that formula versus a bunch of smaller jobs. Yeah, absolutely. So we uh I I built a spreadsheet around it um and we've always not always but for the past about 3 years we've measured our numbers so we use M&R equipment um uh, autos and um and the production staff it's it's in the it's 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 task driven through printavo actually but they need to report their uh, their production times um and once an order is complete and then i dump that into a spreadsheet to track against um our forecasted times and our forecasted times are based on that historical data of what they've run in the past so m and r equipment basically there's two ways you can run it. You can run it in, in revolver mode where everything gets hit twice. It goes around the press twice or in non-revolver mode where it goes around one time. And then based on volume, based on total order volume, we can, we can figure out how many pieces per hour uh, we can print based on if that's going to be, um, you know, a, a, a light, a, a light print on a dark garment or, um, you know, a dark print on a light garment but we have variables that we cross-reference really easily. We've systematized it so that anybody can come in and sell it and learn how to pull from the correct price list to quote it. 
So our price lists are, uh, there's a lot of data and information that back them up, but they break out pretty simple for, for an anticipation of having a sales team use them in the sure. field. What did that result in? I mean, what did you see? I, I'm guessing prices went up. Uh, yeah, they did. They did. It wasn't, it wasn't significant because we had made so many cuts, right? Okay. Um, so our, so our gross margin our well, I guess you could call that what, what do we need to operate the business and keep the lights on and pay everybody? Um, once you back out the substrate cost, um, that's the number that I had to find. And that's pretty easy when you look at your P and L and just pull those numbers out, assuming that you have a P and L and that you're tracking that. And once you have that gross margin, your, your break even point, right. Then you can back that out. Um, you, as long as you know, you you've measured and 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 you can put your get your finger on the pulse of how productive your team is or your teams, then you can back that out hourly. So, as I was saying, so we 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 were running two teams at that time on two autos, um, and assuming that we're running both presses, we were getting twelve hours a day, six hours per per team um, out of that production. So, you know, if we needed if we needed to make um, I don't know if, if our overhead was $1,200 $1, a day, then we know that each team needs to do $100 an hour in gross revenue in margin, gross margin um, to, to break even. And then Got it. once you have that number, you can say, okay, well, so our net profit goal now is 20%. So then I can, I can beef that up 20%. And I know as long as I'm booked to capacity, then, then I'm good who's ever booked to capacity, right? Um, that's best case scenario. So that's another reason why I kind of said, realistically over this these past three years, we average about six hours a day of productivity um, over time from, from each team. Even though they're here eight hours and we pay them for eight hours, but sure. that, those, that doesn't so mean- So it's that roughly like two, three fourths productivity, yep. call it out of the full, yep, or capacity you can call it great way to look at it. But yeah, that's if I was going to help another owner with that. Um, I, I would say let's let's figure out let's let's figure out what it costs to operate your business. Um, what, what was the did you accomplish with the changes in team, the changes in pricing? Uh, first of all, when you up to actually I have two questions now that popped in my head on this. One is when you up the pricing, uh, you mentioned you upped it a little bit. Was there any change in how customers perceive that or, or what they said or how did that go? No. Um, well, that's not true. I mean, we, we did get pushback, right? From our repeat business is in the 90th percentile. So we rely really heavily on our repeat business or we, we absolutely have in the past uh, to continue to grow and scale the company. That being said, a lot of those folks are, they're placing a repeat orders across the board. For many of them, uh, we, we grandfathered them in for that first repeat order, we gave them a heads up that um, hey, so prices are going up. Yeah, we've had a which what happened on the second on, order? They just um, then we would increase it. But um, did they? Did you see anybody leave? What, what did you know? Um, honestly, the, the the folks that that we may have lost were not um, an ideal fit anyway. Hmm. Um, smaller, also, just like time wise or smaller orders or. Absolutely. The, the, when I restructured that pricing and, and put it into Printavo and we started to use that model and we, we price now 100% using Printavo and then we pull from 
pull from the catalogs. When we did that, our pricing on our core competencies, which is the higher volume, easy to print, potential for repeat, we sure. have variables for that too. The pricing on, on our golden egg orders went down. It actually went down. And the pricing on, you know, we, we took our minimums to from a dozen to 36 pieces. And the pricing on those 30 picks, 36 piece orders almost doubled. Mm. It was kind of forced our team that's highly customer service driven to to turn away a lot of um, or to refer a lot of business away um, and a lot of repeat business. But the fact was, if and, and what and, and what I had to illustrate to the team uh, many times was that we weren't profitable and and that You're was spinning your wheels. Another big reason why we were financing the small orders with the larger orders. We started the uh, clone the best, dump the rest. You know, I think Mike talks about that too, Michalowicz, but or, or Don Miller maybe, but um, sure. But we started that whole philosophy too, and we had it mapped out pretty well. We were on a good trajectory, and then um, and then this pandemic hit, and and we had to shift gears and and make a lot of changes, and we're we're still like kind of smack smack in the middle of that. Um, with bringing on a director, um, we've, we, we reworked our, um, our goals for, for next year. Uh, we built an, uh, a new org chart. We have several hires that we need to make. Um, do, do you feel that with your team before, it sounded like it, you know, you created proper departments and roles and responsibilities and things that you're that that you're supposed to be doing, you know, or or people you directly manage and then held them accountable for that. I mean, is that right or am I No, you're absolutely uh, right, except for the last part. Is I didn't hold I, I did not hold anyone accountable. Um got it. we were we were order takers and we were so busy. Mm -hmm. that, um I you're I, just so focused on today and getting through mm -hmm. and getting the jobs out. Yeah. It's interesting. How, how do you think you have shifted as an owner to now be able to to try to hold a like? It's not an overnight thing, right? I mean, people's behaviors and changes and habits um, take a while to 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 move from one to the other. But like, how did you make that shift? Because that that's a big shift from being an operator to an owner. That's not easy. I mean, it's the exact same thing as the delegation thing. It's tough for me to make that shift because, you know, having built the company and and, you know, printed like how however many other thousand you know shop owners, you know, started in their basement or whatever and then moved out and leased space and so you've done it all and you've you've been in there and done that and when you start to offload that and bring in resources to, ideally to manage and and take on that workload. Um, it's hard to let a lot of that go. Uh, and you, you touched on that. Absolutely. The delegation piece is very hard. Um, unfortunately, it's also very addictive, right? I thought I was a great delegator in my mind because I delegated so much that made me a great delegator, right? Um, but the biggest piece in delegation is to oversee that and 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 check back in and make sure that uh, you're, you're co training and coaching so that whoever you're delegating uh, the work to can be successful and, and grow as well. If you were to coach somebody else and say, okay, hey, you've got to make this shift. You have to hold them accountable. What does that exactly mean though, right? 
like from a detailed perspective, is it, is it, okay, here's a number, a sales quota, for example, or, or a quota of jobs you have to be printing every day or, or and if you don't, then we X, Y, Z. I, I mean, how, what does that look like? Yeah. Great question. So that's, that hasn't existed in our company before. It's not really even been a, a slap on the wrist. It's been a verbal, um, you know, all right, guys, we got to, we got to work on this. We got to get this going again. It's hard object, especially if you have an objective viewpoint and, and haven't worked in our industry or, or specifically in our company before to see, you know, from, from 2018 to 2019, we more than doubled our revenue. Um, and we were so, so busy that, um, a lot of this stuff was, was just missed. Uh, um, several things were dismissed. We weren't coaching as often as we should have been. The last thing I want to do is try to make excuses for myself, but I was um, kind of just, you know, running around with a big roll of duct tape, trying to trying to tape everything together um, to get it to 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 stay uh, to keep working, right? Yeah. Because yeah. you know we're trying to drive an eighty-one Chevette about one hundred and twenty miles an hour. Steering <laughs> wheel is starting to shake and everything yeah. else. So, um, that's kind of where I was at. And my way of handling that was let's, let's bring in additional resources um, and put them in these specific roles. Um, but, and then let's move existing resources into a management position and they can manage that, that person. We, we still have uh, a coaching company that we use. Um, so we, our management roles, we, we put into some coaching. Um, but we were just, we were so busy producing work that wasn't profitable. Um, but we didn't know that at the time. We just thought, this is great, man. The phone's ringing off the hook. Um, we, we didn't have to go attack anything. All we had to do is, is do what we do best. And that's, you know, produce an excellent, timely product at sure. a fair price and then retain that customer. We've always been great at that. It's hard to find other businesses that have been able to, to grow and scale as much of, as we have that have never picked up the phone and made a sales call. And that says a lot about our, our customer service and, and the buying experience and the experience of doing business with our company. You you talked about that actually going from defense to offense. It, was that from a sales and marketing perspective or was that just from the management side? That trickled down from me. That would be the, the, the blessing in disguise if there were such a thing for this whole pandemic is that um, it's forced us to do that, right? And and say, well, we can't... We can't we can't sit around and wait for the phone to ring. It's always been in my back pocket and I've always wanted to, to, to grow the outside presence that the outside sales force. And then I'll, I'll find excuses or reasons not to, well, look, dude, we're, we, you know, we'll, we're going to do close to 2 million this year. Why? And we're, we're slammed with work. Why, why do I need to, uh, to bring in an outside force right now? Um, if we're struggling to hold this together and then like I said earlier, you know, at the, at the end of, of last year, when I dug in and looked, I said, well, we're not even profitable. What's, what's the point? Um, and so we just, we just kind of blew it up and, and started, started from the ground up from, uh, okay, what's, what's our cost now that we're streamlined and efficient, what's our overhead look like, where do we need to price to make a 20% net profit? Let's roll it out. And, um, and, and, and that, and that's how, that's how we'll sell until we have an outside force that can, uh, that can be proactive and go, you know, ping, ping our existing client base for, for referrals and, and new business. 
but also drive their own book of business that they come to the company with and, and expand and build. Um, is that part of the hiring that you want to do or, mm -hmm. or is there uh, other roles that you wanted to, to bring on to the company? There's, there's a couple of other roles. Um, there's still, we're still shifting some pieces around too. Um, we're still, uh, we're in the process on, honestly of, of figuring out if we, if we have the right people now to build, uh, if we have the right foundation foundation and structure to, to build on top of now, and we've made some decisions, uh, we're not ready to execute yet. Um, right now the main focus is to, to build, to build out the sales team. So we've got a, um, a business development manager we hired and he's, uh, he's transitioning in. So he's working part-time until uh, the middle of January and then he'll, he'll be full-time the middle of January. And we're building a sales team around him uh, that will consist of, um, ultimately it will consist of several outside reps, but uh, initially it'll be one outside rep. And then um, we're calling it an account coordinator. Um, the account coordinator will be his right-hand person, um, his eyes and ears in the office and um, in front of a computer at all times, right? Kind of his uh, his high-level assistant. And that account coordinator and our our business development manager will start on the same day. Got it. So and, those are those are that's a, a pretty big shift into mm -hmm. diving into, but you guys are forcing it. I, I'm curious. You know, there's, there's a big, we talked about change with the team and, and change with uh, the company and just so much around that. Has there been people, a part of the team that it's been hard to help them shift or that it didn't necessarily maybe work out with or, because I hear that a lot is just, I can't get my team to embrace change, like positive change. And I, yeah. and I, you know. <laughs> Part of me is just like, well, they're just not supposed to be part of your team anymore. But I do understand that hiring just takes a lot of time to find good people as well. And so you kind of just let things float. Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, again, I think that's kind of the blessing in disguise with, with COVID and this pandemic is that it's forced us to do that, right? So we can't be complacent anymore and say, well, boy, that that's a nice to have, but it's not a need to have right now. So let's just sit on it and and cross our fingers and hope that this stuff starts to work out, but we have to encourage and promote change and we have to, we have to plan and, and execute this stuff or we're not going to survive it. We did have a lot of, a lot of legacy staff, um, you know, minimum three years, three years on the team. And some of those people that we had to let go, it was, was really hard. Um, one of them more recently was, was extremely hard because, um, the culture piece was was there, man, hundred um, percent. Great attitude, hard worker, um, really enjoyed being here, but wasn't able to scale with the company and and uh, shift gears so that we were focusing on our core competencies, like our, like I say, our our, our best customers and our best prospects. Uh, it was really hard for that individual to to turn away, um, to turn away any opportunity this was in like an inside sales type position. So customer service. Um, so answering the phone, you know, providing quotes and things like that, but it was so hard to get that, that point across that, look, let's look at your numbers for the past month. 
you've got a $20,000 order here that took you from, from lead to close, took you a day to work that order. And then you got an order here for 36 pieces that took you a day to work from lead to quote, because you brought them in, we sat down, we looked at samples, we did everything else. So what's the most efficient and effective use of your time? And the only way I could really think to, to make that click was to say, well, let's look at co the commission, because we paid commission to inside sales too, which I would not recommend doing that. But um, how, how would you have done the commission? Commission a hundred percent on on new on the outside, but net, net new business, land, land and expand business. So um, that someone has to go out and and, and grab that that account, mm. not someone that calls in and says, "I need five hundred t-shirts." What's you know? Um, but we paid a commission on that plus plus a great base. But that's we sat down and looked at those reports too and said, "Look, so you know you made you made ten dollars on this order." and you made $500 on this order and they took you the same amount of time. But, and while the culture and the attitude and the, and, and the work ethic was absolutely there, um, understanding that piece, we just couldn't, we were pulling them through and, and they just sure. couldn't, they couldn't get that. Same with some stuff with, with workflow, right? Where we've adjusted our workflow and, and built new systems and processes around that to support that. And it's all geared towards being profitable. So we're focusing on business that's profitable for the company. Um, and that's a lot of that boils down to using your time efficiently, especially if you're, you're one person and you have one role and you only have so many hours in the day. Um, let's streamline some of this stuff. Let's use Printavo to price everything, right? Let's use the automation in Printavo. Let's use let's use our available resources and tools that we have available to us to be more efficient and more, more successful in, a, in our own individual roles. And, you know, I saw people that want to sit down with a calculator and they're like, well, I want to make sure that we're, we're going to, we're going to be in the black on this order. Like, it's fine. It's taken care of. We wouldn't have, have pushed this through, through our ERP if it wasn't, if it wasn't the Bible, right? It's, you just have to trust that that's all, that's my job in the company is to make sure that that those numbers are set so that your job uh, quoting an order is is streamlined efficient and and correct yeah uh, and that will be um, that's uh that's awesome it, it sounds like you've got an incredible plan especially going into next year now of just being able to execute you know, your new real management style order workflow, start building out that outside sales team. I mean, you, you've definitely got your hands full. Yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> I'd, push back, I'd push back on my director of operations and say he's got his hands full. Yeah, fair. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't read a couple of these books, Clockwork is one of them from Mike McCallowitz that Blue mentioned. Uh, there's also Traction, which, which kind of helps set up a lot of KPIs and execute there. Anything Mike McCallitz, of course, is great that Blue mentioned here, too. Um, he just released a new book, Fix This Next, which I'm personally going through. So we'll be able to chat with that on there, too. But, Blue, thanks so much for being able to join us. I think this is really, really exciting. Uh, I'm very excited to see how you guys continue to change this coming year as well. And we'll have to circle back and, and get an update then, too. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely.